Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smartenized. Today's episode, Calling Their Bluff how to play poker online, and some poker playing advice from somebody who's not really very good. Warning, this podcast is illegal in Washington State, which has passed laws against anyone pointing anyone toward a poker playing site. And so if you're listening from Washington State, please delete this podcast now without listening to the rest of it. We'll wait. Okay, for all the rest of you, this is, I'm going to tell you right up front, a bit of an infomercial. Because I'm going to try and encourage you to sign on to Full Tilt Poker. And if you do it the way that I tell you to do it, I'll make a little money on it. How cool is that? I'll also warn you that this is significantly longer than most of the Quick Hits podcasts because we go over quite a bit of information in this one. So if you're not at all interested in poker, well, we'll see you next time when we'll... Try and keep it to 10 minutes or less. People who only skim the headlines may be under the impression that Congress passed a law making it illegal to gamble online. Well, they didn't. There are state and local laws against that, of course, and we advise that you check with local authorities before doing anything that we mention in this podcast. But Congress didn't make it illegal. What they did instead was pass a law that prohibits banks and credit card companies from transferring money to or from gambling sites. This may seem like a big deal, but the fact of the matter is that banks and credit card companies had decided on their own a long time ago that they didn't want to deal with online gambling sites, and most of them have already blocked any money transfers to or from these sites. Of course, the free market being what it is, lots of other places have popped up that are willing to handle the money transfers, and the banks will deal with these places. And we're going to get into the details of just how to do that, a step-by-step -step approach, so that you can play online. Playing online has a lot of huge advantages over playing in a casino. Now, well, playing in a casino can be a lot of fun, but you got to get dressed up, you got to go there, you got to wait for tables. Playing online, you can be sitting there in your underwear, eating frosting out of the can. But there's a lot more significant advantages to it than that. First of all, You've got a lot of very low limit games, 25 cent, 50 cent games that you can play. When you go to a casino, you're not going to see that. You're going to see maybe if you're lucky, if you want to play low stakes, a $2, $4 game. More likely, the cheapest game is going to be a $5, $10 game. You make a mistake in a $5, $10 game, it can cost you 60, 70, 100 bucks. You make the exact same mistake in a 25 cent, 50 cent game, it's going to cost you 2 or $3. You get the same tutorial for a far lower rate. You can play tournaments for as little as $1.25. You can play all night for $1.25. In a casino, you have to tip the dealer when you win, or you're expected to at least. Obviously, you don't do that online. One of the really cool things about online poker, as opposed to a casino, you give the cashier at a casino $200, she gives you $200 worth of chips. If you do it right... At an online poker site, 
You give them $200, they give you $400 worth of chips. Now, that $200 bonus you don't get immediately. They dole it out to you as you play. Uh, the more that you play, uh, every so often you'll see a little window pop up that says, oh, we just added $10 to your account. Uh, full Tilt, where I'm going to be sending you folks, gives you six months to earn your bonus back. And they pay it out in $10 increments. And you, they'll match your initial deposit up to $600. And then reloads, if you put more money in, you'll get 50% bonus on those. So that's a huge advantage, especially if you're a lousy player like I am. You can play multiple tables, which is very cool. Obviously, you can't do that in a casino. And there's some real good reasons to do this. I'll talk about that later on in the show. Now... Step-by-step, step, here's how you do it. I'm going to walk you through getting on to NetTeller and getting on to Full Tilt Poker. There are other entities that will deal with your money. There are other online sites that still sign up Americans. And they're probably all just fine. But this is the one that I'm familiar with, and these are the folks that I like. One of the things I don't like about NetTeller is that on your initial deposit, they charge you 8.9% going in. So I think that's pretty high and pretty outrageous. However, I've got a way around it for you. What you want to do is send an email to me. You'll find my email in the MP3 tags of this file and all over DaveHit.com and say, I want to sign up with NetTeller. And then I'll go on and I'll do a refer a friend deal. And they give you a 10% bonus up to $10. But you put your $100 in, they take out their percentage, then they add 10 bucks, and you come out a little bit ahead of the game. And I do recommend starting with 100 bucks. If you don't have 100 bucks to do this, folks, please don't do it. You can get started for as little as $50, but if you can't afford the $100, wait until you can before you start playing poker online. Once you've got your money in net teller, then you want to go to DaveHit.com, that's spelled with two T's. On the left-hand side, you'll see a list of all the sub-sites that I've got there. And on the bottom of it, an icon for Full Tilt Poker. Click there, go there, download the software, and install it. Now, by doing that, it doesn't affect your bonus one way or the other. You can go direct to Full Tilt and get the bonus. But when you do it through my site, I make a few bucks on the deal. And you have my word, I won't waste it. I'll spend it all on beer, cigars, and, of course, poker. Now, if you're new to poker... I do recommend that you start at the limit tables. Everybody wants to play no limit because it's the coolest thing to do. But try the limit tables because that's where you can really learn the basics of poker, the ins and the outs and the odds and how to do it. But I highly recommend that you pick up a couple of books about it first because poker is a game where you can go in and you can be playing it absolutely completely wrong and win money. And that's going to reinforce bad habits that are going to cost you a lot of money in the long run. You can also go in and play it absolutely, completely, 100% right and lose your shirt. Because the idiot that you're playing against, he's calling your raises, he's just doing everything wrong, and he hits his flush on the river and he cleans you out. That happens too. So you want to learn what you're supposed to be doing, learning the basics. And I'm going to recommend a few books for you. One that I liked a lot, I looked like it was out of print, but I think it's back in again, was by Lee Jones called Winning Low Limit Hold'em. And it's just very straightforward. How to win at the low limit tables gives you a lot of good basic advice. It's very conversational. 
there's also a small stakes hold'em winning big with expert play by Ed Miller, David Slansky, and Mason Malmuth, which whose name I'm probably mispronunciating. That's also good, but it's very technical. And Lee Jones's book is a lot more conversational. I also recommend The Tao of Poker by Larry Phillips, which is just some basic ideas and principles about playing and your mindset and, and how you approach the game. Start at the low limits, and as you get better, work your way up to the higher limits. A good rule of thumb, one that served me really well, is you set a rule for yourself that you can't move up a level until you've won three sessions in a row. A session being whatever, an hour or two hours, however long you typically play. you got to win three of those in a row before you allow yourself to kick up to the next level. And if you lose three in a row, you got to kick down to the next level. And this helps keep you from playing out of your league. It keeps you playing where you're going to be challenged, where you're going to be making some money, uh, but not where you're going to be losing your shirt because you're playing in way over your head. It also gets you in the habit of quitting winners. I know one problem I have is I'll play for a while and I'm up and I'm doing well, and then I'll keep playing and eventually end up giving it all back. If you're thinking, gee, I want to get my three in a row, then it helps encourage you to say, hey, I'm winning. This is a good time to quit. Now, one particular style of playing that I've been working on and I'm finding is very profitable is a razor fold approach. When the bet comes to you, you look at your cards and you think, should I raise this? And if you can't raise it, fold it, get rid of it, toss it away. Quite often, the difference between winners and losers is how many hands they play. Now, when you're playing at full tilt, up in the right-hand corner, there's a statistics button. And after you've been playing a few rounds, you can click that, and it'll show you how you've been playing and how many flops you've seen as a percentage. And if you see more than 30% of the flops, you're playing too much, most likely. I mean, obviously, if you're getting great cards and you're playing them and winning, fine. But for the most part, the fewer flops that you pay to see, the more you're going to win because you're only going to be out there betting with your very best cards. And when you bet with those good cards, raise. Play aggressively. You'll be surprised if you have the razor fold mentality. A lot of times you will win before you ever come to a showdown. And friends, that's really the best way to win. You may win a little less money, but if you can win that way often, over time, you're going to make a lot more money. I'm going to give you a specific example here. Let's say you're sitting there playing. You're one off the button, and you got a pair of sevens. The people in the third and fourth positions fold. Three people in front of you, Curly, Larry, and Mo. Curly bets. Larry calls. Mo calls. And now it comes to you with your pair of sevens. Now, you're in position. That's very important. You're in a good position. you got a pair of sevens. It's a decent hand. It's not a great hand. What are you going to do? Raise or fold? You raise. The guy on the dealer button folds. Both blinds fold. And then Curly, Larry, and Moe call. Because when you raise one bet before the flop, everybody who's put money in will almost always call it. Now the flop comes. It's a two of clubs, a six of hearts, a nine of diamonds. Larry checks, Curly checks, Mo bets. 
Pair of sevens, still not a bad hand with that particular flop. You're going to raise, you're going to fold. Again, you could fold, but you're not going to now. You're going to raise. Curly looks down as his ace-five, and it's not worth much of anything, so he folds. Larry looks at his queen-ten and folds. Mo calls you raise. Now comes the turn. It's an ace. That's a scary card, and Mo bets. You raise. Mo looks down at his pair of tens. He saw you raise pre-flop. He saw you raise after the flop. And now you're raising him again. He folds. And all those lovely chips slide across the table to your little avatar. At this point, two buttons appear. Muck hand and show hand. Don't click the show hand. You may be tempted to say, oh, I'm going to show him how I made him fold with just a pair of sevens. Don't do it. Poker is a game of incomplete information, and the more information you give people about how you play, the worse off you are. Let them keep guessing. They're going to assume that you must have had that ace. After all, you bet aggressively all that hand. Now, does this work every time? Eh, of course not. If Mo was really holding the ace, you would have lost. What would have happened, same hand, if you had just called? Each time. Curly, with the ace five, would have been more likely to stay in. And when that ace came up on the turn, he would have had you beat. Mo would have no reason to believe that you had a great hand because you've just been limping in there with little bets. Try this just for an evening and see how well it works. Now, don't try it with crap cards. You're sitting there with an eight three in early position. It's not a good move. Don't try it with garbage, but when you've got the good cards, when you've got decent cards, try raising. And you'll find that you're going to win a lot of hands before the showdown. And it works really well. you kind of got to experiment with it to get the rhythm just right. But give it a shot, and you may be surprised at just how well and how often it works. Now, what would have happened? Exact same scenario. You make the same bets before the flop, and the flop comes up ace-queen-jack. You lost. Get out, forget about it, and go on to the next hand. The one exception would be if everybody checked to you. If you see an ace, queen, jack, and curly, Larry, and Mo all check to you, then you might want to make a bet and see if some or all of them will fold. Because if they had paired any of those, they probably would have bet. There are also situations where the razor fold strategy is completely wrong. Let's say you've got a 7-8 of hearts in late position, and you can see the flop for a single bet. There's a lot of people in. You want to keep people in the pot then, and you want to see the flop as cheaply as you can. You don't use this strategy then, not for going after flushes or for going after straights. Now, one thing that's unique to online is that you can play multiple tables, and multiple tables makes it really easy to throw away garbage hands. If you're just playing one table... And you look down, it's two bets to you, and you see a jack-nine suited, and that's the best hand you've seen in a half an hour. You may be tempted to play it when you really shouldn't. And the worst thing that could happen with that is you catch a piece of it. 
you catch a possible flush or a possible stray, and you keep betting into it when you really shouldn't. Those kind of hands can cost you a lot of money because there is no prize for coming in second place. When you're playing multiple tables, it makes it really easy to toss the bad hands. And you're going to be tossing a lot of your hands. You're going to be tossing 70 75% of your hands, and that's a lot easier to do when you've got two tables going at once. Now, most sites will let you play up to four. I don't really recommend that, but whatever you're comfortable with. I'm only comfortable with two myself. Now, I know this has been a rather long show. I hope that it's been useful for you. Uh, remember, I don't play that well, so you might want to just take all the advice that I've given you here and toss it out, except for how to sign up. There are actually three different ways that you can make some money here. The first is you sign up with NetTeller through me. You drop me a line, I do a refer a friend, and that gets you around their rather large sign-in cost. And maybe even leaves you a couple of dollars ahead of the game. Second, you sign on to Full Tilt Poker, again through DaveHit.com, and that way I get a nice little chunk of money to help continue on this podcast. And you, when you sign in to Full Tilt, get a 100% sign-up bonus. That's pretty hard to beat. And third, the third way to make money is to find me on the low-limit tables and play me a few games because, like I keep telling you guys, I'm really not very good. And that's it for this episode of Quick Hits. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations, you've been smartenized. Folks, you know, I do love hearing from everybody. And you can give me a call at 206-203-4488. That's 206-203-HIT. And leave me a voice message. Or you can write to Hitman at DaveHit.com. Go to DaveHit.com and you'll find the correct spelling of that everywhere. Or you can find it in the MP3 tags of this file. As always, never forget that the Quick Hits Podcast is little more than a journal of one man's opinion and therefore should not be taken too seriously. Seriously.